seconds flat. Give me up. Put it down, put it This is the second flat running podcast. He's broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it. Look at that guy. Look at Black Zero. Oh my gosh. Hello again, friends, and welcome to mile 155 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. We are back from our summer recess, and with us, we brought back one of the founding fathers of the program. You haven't heard this sweet voice since mile 103, the only guy who watches as much track action on the Peacock app as me, Benji. Welcome back. How's the big cat feeling? Oh, the big cat is feeling good. I am so excited to be back on the show. Thank you for reaching out to me and having me on. Yeah, buddy. So you want to give the people a little life slash training slash coaching kind of update? What's going on? Yeah. So my wife and I just moved to Clearwater two years ago, and I got the opportunity to pursue a certification in teaching and I've been brought on staff at Calvary Christian High School here and I'm fortunate enough uh, I am the head coach of cross country and track here and I inherited a really great program with an awesome group of kids doing a little bit of running myself I was in a pretty gnarly bike accident last summer uh, so actually at the start of this summer I've just now been able to really get back to it and getting to share some miles with the kids has just really been a fantastic experience. Well, it's a great fit for you, and you are a great fit for them. I'm ex- excited for you. And yeah, it's been good to see you getting some miles in, getting some sessions in. Uh, you're right, that cycling accident, we didn't talk about it here on the show, but that was no joke. So glad to have you back healthy and moving again, man. How, how are you feeling as you move through these workouts? I know you've had some back issues. All right, you think we're training for something? Is there a race on the horizon? <laughs> oh, goodness. So there is a race on the horizon. Um, Mm. Wouldn't necessarily say I'm training for it. So we are fortunate here. I actually just got in touch really just two weeks ago. There is a local run group called Out of Pocket Track Club. And in their description on their Strava group, it's a track club for people who don't do track workouts. So it is a bunch of... 20 to early 40 year olds who do a bunch of marathons essentially uh so it's really reminiscent of the group we had in greenville when i was working there and it's just been great it's all these guys who are in the throes of their career who are still laying down some miles and sharing stories um but this group is hosting a midnight mile on august 19th and so what it is is you put your seed time and it's an unknown course until race day. And you start, so if you say uh, you're going to run an eight-minute mile, you'll start at 11.52. If you're going to run a five-minute mile, you're going to start at 11.55. Mm-hmm. Always to beat midnight and also to rub elbows across different pace groups as you're entering the final straightaway. 
So it's a cool event. I believe we there's a little over 60 people signed up right now. Dude, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, that, that'll be a fun event. I love the theme. I know some guys, uh, and I think you've done this in the past. I've done this in the past. I've done this like on a New Year's Eve kind of thing to try to strike it right at midnight on New Year's Eve. That'll be awesome. I, I love it. You ready to commit to a seed time? You got a number yet? Uh, so I think I went a little bit conservative. I put five minutes. Okay. But I ran a race on July 4th, very early into returning to running. And I ran 1640 for 5K. Yeah. So I'm thinking I can run a bit faster, but if I'm going to do well, I'm going to have to negative split this. Mm-hmm. So it'll give me a pack of people to run with. And then hopefully at the end, I can kind of run away if the legs are there. We'll see. I like it. You're going under five. And as a wise co-host once told me, all you need is some volume and a couple strides and you'll be ready to rip, babe. Sounds like a wise sage for sure. Okay, so since you're coaching some cross country and you're training with a group that's got some guys doing all kinds of distances, as I am as well, I wanted to get into some workout topics for our first opening question. We are in August, the dog days, particularly down where you are in Florida. This is it's a fun point in the training season as we see cross country at the high school collegiate level pivoting from the summer mileage to the early season pre-competitive period. We have our fall marathoners in their early specific prep. And I think some of the workouts for those two phases can overlap really well right now. And particularly some workouts that are broken in a way that make it a little easier to handle the temperatures. Any favorites from you first, Benji, that you might use right now that could suit both of those groups, the cross-country runner or the road racer? Yeah, that's a great question. So entering this cross-country season, I first kind of took a look back at uh, some things I used to do because I did so much wrong. I believe this time of year is a big misconception for a lot of cross-country runners. They think base training and they just think, I'm doing as much training as possible, but really we're setting the foundation to be able to train later on. So I think where that crossover is, especially in marathon training, is that you're learning efforts. So we do a lot of fartlicks or broken tempos, and I will give the athletes like a no faster than for those broken tempos. Um, So what that may look like for an athlete, what we started with for more of our advanced kids is they started with two by 10 minutes that became two by two mile tempos. And then we moved into three by eight minutes. And my more advanced group is doing four by eight minutes now. Mm-hmm. And the it's all effort based because when we're starting at 6 a.m. here in Florida, it's 85 with a real feel of 95, but it could be a real feel of 105 by the time they're done in that 40 minute session. Um, So we try not to stress too much about numbers. So we're also doing different workouts uh, where we're getting on hills and doing 200 meters up, 200 meters down. And with that, we start with a rest when we get back down. Gradually, that rest becomes a continuous run on the hill. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, So we really want to make sure we're acclimating the athletes and set them up to be able to train. 
I don't know that I just answered your question at all because I didn't do any specific work. No, else. you did. Broken tempos were, were clear and hill work, which I agree with you 100%. Th those are two things that I noted as well. I think the broken tempo is super safe because it's, it's a significant workout in laying a foundation to what you want to do later, but it also lets you handle the weather better. Three by eight minutes, as you mentioned, versus 24 minutes continuous psychologically they're different workouts physiologically they're they're much more similar it creates a, an ability to tolerate that summer heat that you have in florida but frankly most of the country deals with so in august that broken tempo you can't go wrong you mentioned some fartlek style stuff uh, i had one down in particular we've mentioned this before that's the moose fartlek which is three minutes at like a half marathon effort minute easy minute at 5k minute easy and then you can repeat that cycle, uh, I would say up to five times. If you do it five times, then you have 20 minutes of, of work bouts built in. But that's a really nice one, particularly for the marathoners this time of year. And then I'll give another one that uh, we just did with our group maybe a week or two ago that I really like. I think it's a great foundational workout for 5K or 8K cross preparation, uh, but also early in the marathon phase. And that is somewhere between four to six times a K at a 10K effort on two minutes of rest. That two minutes of rest is significant because K repeats we might do later in the year on 90 seconds or 60 seconds at 10K effort. But this allows you to keep that quality high for this time of year. And then I would add to the end of that four to six times a minute hill. Some real nice power work at the end of it. Anything over hills is great for cross. It's great for strength, fatigue resistance in marathoning. And we'll probably look at those for a minute up the hill at about the same pace we're trying to hit those 1K reps, which means a slightly harder effort. But it's not an all out up that hill. It's, it's controlled. This is a great combination of getting the wheels turning just a little bit, starting to deal with pace injections just a little bit, and then getting the power on the hill. Great. We're on a similar page there, Ben. I like the example of breaking the tempos. I think those are great advice for everybody. Now, let's rewind a little bit and look back at the summer because this is the biggest reason I wanted to have you on, bud. All the track that you watch that we are texting about back and forth as it's happening. And this has been as good a summer of track and field action as I can remember both in the times we're seeing and the levels of competition. There's, there's a depth that's been prolific. So let's open up with a three-part question for you. You can take just one if you want and bounce it back and forth with me, or you can cue them all up and, and just roll. That is, what has been the best performance in this great summer of performances so far? There could be another better one coming. To dial and zoom in then, what's been the best American performance? And we've seen a few new world records. Is there a best new world record that sticks out to you? So fire away, big fella. Yeah, so let's start with the best performance of the summer so far. And you're totally right. This is one of the hardest years to have to answer this. The inner distance runner in me is going to go with Jakob Ingebrigtsen's two-mile world record. Mm -hmm. which broke Daniel Komen's long-standing record from 1997 by four seconds. And it was the way he did it that was so impressive. Uh, he was virtually alone the last half of the race. Uh, the Pacers had stepped off. He had to maintain that. And he just closed like a freight train. If he was contested at all, I mean, I don't know how fast he would have ran. Yeah, uh, But just that dominance and... 
hitting a record that seemed untouchable alone. It was just impressive. And it was exciting for me to see Jakob go all out in an event past 1,500 meters. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the reigning 5,000-meter world champion, but really, I don't think we've even begin to see what he's capable of in that event. And this might be the first glimpse we will get into that. Yeah, he took a stab at the 1500 world record as well, ran a top five all-time performance there. You're right, 5,000 might potentially be his best event as the defending world champion, and he probably has world record potential there as well. I I like that pick. I'm going to take Faith Kip Yegon for my performance of the summer. And I'll I'll actually link this with the third part of the question of the best new world record, because I I think her 1500 is the best performance and the best of the new world records. I'm most impressed there because the mile mark, she absolutely crushed it. But that event is a bit like your pick with Ingebrigtsen in the two mile. It's run so infrequently at the professional level that we don't have the volume and depth of marks for comparison. So I'll take her in the 1500 as the best performance of the summer so far. And in part because of how effortless she looked in that 1500 and in the mile world records. It's it just astonishing performances from the Kenyan Faith Kip Yegon, who goes into the world champs as a heavy favorite. American performer, Ben? Uh, so the American performer I chose was Ryan Krauser in the mm-hmm. shot. Not only did he break his own world record by 20 centimeters, he invented a whole new technique. I believe the Krauser slide is going to take over. It is essentially, I believe, Let's Run or BBC uh, likened it to the Fosbury flop. Krauser, who is an engineering, has an engineering degree, just took a look at the sport that he has been dominating and figured out a technique to improve it. And the results speak for themselves. So just the fact this man essentially reinvented his event to outclass the rest of the world. That has to be the best American performance. And not only reinvented it, but reinvented it while already being the best. Took a risk. No need. Yeah, to try something new. I'll come back to him. That's, That's a great one. To go then with someone else, my first instinct for another athlete is maybe Sydney in the Open 400 at US Champs was a really stunning performance. I'm gonna go Kira D'Amato with a new half marathon U.S. record at Gold Coast last month. That was surprising. Yeah, ran 106.39. Seems to be both ageless and returning to fine form after an injury setback. We're seeing that record and the marathon record as well getting traded back and forth a little bit right now. Her and Emily Sisson, and there there might be others in the mix to potentially attack those records in the future. So I'll say Kira Damata at Gold Coast with the best American foreman performance. I already picked Faith Kip Yegon with my best new world record. Is Ingebrigtsen's two mile your best new world record or do you have something else, Benji? It is not. I think for the same reason uh, you couldn't put Kip Yegon's mile world record. The two miles just not contested enough mm-hmm. uh, for there to be the history or data to really know that is the best world record. What I put was actually uh, Lamecha Gurma's 3K steeple record. Yeah. He broke Qatar's Saif Shaheen's record from 2004 by a full second. And similar to Ingebrigtsen's two mile, he ran essentially the last 2K by himself and even fell off pace in the middle for a little bit and had to close it down towards the end. Completely uncontested. 
and he called his shot going into the race, which I just love when an athlete is brave enough to step up to the media and say, I'm going for it. To be vulnerable like that is, oh, I can't imagine. So I'm giving the nod to Germa. It was incredible the way he ran that solo in the second half. And as you described what he did with the pacing, just an off-the-board question here for you, Benji. The Wavelight technology on the tracks providing a new element of pacing. I've heard some discussion of this. Is this every bit as valuable as the advances we're seeing in the shoe technology? Because there's some really great pacers out there. Eric Sawinski comes to mind first, right? He's the guy you see at the front of all the biggest 1,500 races, for example, the American 800 runner. But over time, I think we've seen just as many races undermined by poor tactics by the pacer. So maybe they're getting the runners through 600 or 800 meters on number, but it's herky-jerky. Or they're getting them there too fast, or they're getting them there too slow. And that wavelight technology evens it out. Now, it assumes you want to run a roughly even pace, but... Is it just as good as the shoes in supplying some of the times we're seeing now? Yeah, I think you're totally right where the utility of both is just monitoring uh, energy expenditure and limiting that. Mm. Uh, The shoes obviously engaging less tendons and muscles as uh, prior models and the wave light stopping the herky-jerky essentially. I do wonder though what the effect it's going to have on championship racing and people in countries that don't have to race their national championships, um, are they just going to be used to time trialing? And will that give people who have a national championships and have to qualify for a top three spot a unique advantage entering world champs and Olympic cycles because they are in race scenarios rather than time trials. Yeah, I do like that. I think it gives you just one more advantage in a history of being a racer, perhaps, rather than a time trialer. We saw a little bit of that at US Champs, not necessarily the wave light influence, but just the fastest marks coming in in the distance events did not mean those were the people who won the distance events. So that'll be something to keep an eye on at World Champs as well. Uh, Is it going to be people with a history of time trialing and running really fast times this year who win the medals? Okay, the big controversial one. Who is the current best track and field athlete in the world, Benji, male or female? This really comes down to two athletes for me, and they are both female. Okay. So this is really tough, and I don't want to be on the record. So can I list them both and give the nod to one? Is that yeah. allowable? Yeah, go for it. It's your show. Right. So, <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, so I'm going to go with Faith Kipyegon uh-huh. and Sydney McLaughlin. And I'm going to give the nod to Faith right now just because she is so on fire and she's gotten those three world records. What Sydney do, is doing is so unprecedented because the carryover from the 15 mile and 5K, it makes sense that Faith can do that. But I, you may know this. You probably do. You're the only other human I could think of who would. I can't remember a time when the American record, let alone the world record in the 400 hurdles and 400 open, were the same individual. Yeah. And we have potential for Sydney to have the American record in both. And if you listen to her coach, Bobby Kersey, talk, he thinks she can get the world record in the 400 eventually. Mm-hmm. I'm just a huge fan, but I'm going to give the nod to Faith Kipyegon right now. 
That's a great point because the 400 speed translates to the 400 hurdles, but there's a different rhythm and skill set that's applied uh, not in the same way that Faith Kipyegon can carry over, as you said, her 1500 meter ability to the 5000. It feels like a bit more natural transition. And we, we just saw an attempt to, to take both the 400 and 400 hurdles at NCAA champs this spring in, in the women's outdoor champs in Austin. And you had someone who came in as the top seed in both, but then attempting to do both on the same night on that quick turnaround led to not being able to do either because they are incredibly grueling, difficult events. I am going to go with someone you have already mentioned, but did not choose as your best track and field athlete in the world. And I'm going to dive into these numbers a little bit more, but that is Ryan Krauser. I love it. He is your indoor and outdoor world record holder in the shot put. Uh, Benji mentioned he just broke his own record in May when he threw 77 feet, three and three quarters inches. I know we always measure this stuff in metric. And so I wanted to translate it. He is throwing a 16 pound metal ball, nearly 80 feet. He's at 77 feet, three and three quarters inches, which translates to 23.56 meters. For a deeper dive, he has thrown beyond the 23 meter mark in nine different meets. No other thrower in history has ever had more than one such meet, and he's got nine. And he has 17 of the 21 throws beyond 23 meters all time. Plus, as you mentioned, Benji, he's now redefining the event with a new throwing technique. I do think that the Fosbury flop comparison uh, that's been made by some outlets you mentioned is a bit much because that was such a dramatic change. And while this is a, a change, it to the casual observer is more subtle. But to me, his combination of power, precision, footwork and coordination is unparalleled. There is a level of grace and athleticism that's just breathtaking. I'll say Ryan Krauser is the best athlete in the world in track and field, and maybe right now the best athlete in the world, period, possibly. Good picks though, Benji. I like it. Now, since I am in the midst of this Road to LA 84 series, which we're going to pick back up with again soon, part five is the 83 World Champs Marathon at Helsinki, Finland. Wanted a, from you for some fun, a past athlete or a few, let's say up to three past athletes that you'd most like to see competing now in this era of blistering fast times. I thought of some track athletes. It, it doesn't have to be. You could go with a, a road runner, field athlete who are up to three that you would like to take out of their time period and just let them compete right now with these guys. Do you want to go one each, just alternate it? Yeah, that sounds good. I've made my list chronological. So if you want to go first, I'll go with mine that is from the farthest back. Okay, uh, then I will do the same. Okay. And I am going to go with Sebastian Coe. Mm. 141, 800, 329, 1500, 347 mile. And those 800 miles were world records when he ran them. Yeah. His father coached him. They took a different approach to training than most people at the time. Definitely more speed oriented and a lot more quality than athletes mm -hmm. um, in the same era. And I think there's a little bit more injury prevention. And I think just with his father's mind and background, along with the new scientific advances in training, such as lactate testing, 
Mm. Uh, who knows where they would have got Seb to? But I would have loved to see him, especially race a Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Yeah. He was, in that sense, maybe a little bit ahead of his time in the, in the way that they trained. The, what they put out about their training was a bit misleading, and uh, we didn't get to see the volume he was doing. We only saw all these quality sessions, and it seemed like it was really low volume, when in reality, it wasn't low volume, but it was a lot of quality. It probably played some role in this American perspective after him as we moved into the later 80s, 90s, 2000s of, oh, it's all just quality, 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 and not understanding that there was a lot of volume underlying that. Sepco is a fun pick. I'm going to go back way farther for my first one. I have Jesse Owens, the four-time gold medalist at the 36 Berlin Olympics. In less than one hour at the 1935 Big Ten Champs, he set three world records and tied another what could possibly be the greatest hour of performances in the history of the sport. His long jump world record lasted over 25 years. So I just think you take a guy from 100 years ago, the simple differences in training and diet and advances in even the surface on the track, it'd be really fun to see what Jesse Owens could do because he was so dominant in his era. Uh, When ESPN did their little sports century special at the end of the 20th century, I remember they ranked him by far the highest rated track athlete of the last century. And I feel like he could translate in this era and be really fun to see him up against, say, uh, I don't know, Fred Curley. That could be a good time. So who's number two, Benji? Uh, Number two is going to be a Washington State University alum. Henry Rono. Henry Rono. (laughs) Henry Rono set the world record for the 5K twice while he was competing, and he held the 3,000-meter steeplechase world record for over a decade. Mm. And he ran 8.05 in the early 80s. So I would love to see him with some wave light pacing, some super shoes. Yeah. Actually competing against somebody. Because a lot of his races were just on U.S. soil, and there was no one touching him in the steeplechase at the time. Yeah, that's a fantastic one. Uh, one of his most famous races is a, a duel with Salazar when Salazar ran his fastest track 10,000 meters in a marathon buildup. And, and Rono actually edged him out that day when Salazar was in the finest form of his career. Uh, Rono battled some some personal demons later on in, in the career that maybe short-circuited just the length of his peak. But uh, Henry Rono is very much overlooked in today's American running culture. I love that you picked that one. I'll go number two. I'll fast forward a few decades from where I was before, but I'm still before you. I got Peter Snell from New Zealand, the Kiwi great. He won gold in both the 800 and 1500 at the 64 Olympics. He's the only man to do so in 100 years. That is win both 800 and 1500 at the same games. He simultaneously held the world record in both events. He ran 144.3 for 800 meters on grass and a similar time on cinders. And so to me, he's a fun pick because imagine what he might do just with the the modern surfaces and then add in the modern shoes. So I'll go with the the Lydiard prodigy, Peter Snell. I think there's a real chance he'd be the 800 world record holder today if he was still in the game. He would be knocking at Rudisha's door. Who's your last one? You got a third? I do. And I'll 
I'll read one sentence from this individual's Wikipedia page. <laughs> okay. I want to see if you can guess who it is. Mm -hmm. He broke 61 Ethiopian national records from 800 meters to marathon. He set 27 world records and is regarded as one of the greatest distance runners in history. I have a couple thoughts immediately. I feel like I should get it uh, right away. Is it Gebra Selassie? It is highly Gebra Selassie. Okay, yes. good. For Still got who, it. Oh my gosh. Just based off that sentence alone, that's reason enough. Mm -hmm. uh, but throw some PRs out there. In the 5,000, highly ran 1239. In the 10,000, 2622. He ran 5855 for half marathon. Oh, mommy. 20359 in the marathon. Oh, boy, think what the shoes he ran that 203.59 in also. Oh, my gosh. The Brooks Beast. <laughs> he was in some old school flats. Those guys were strong in the lower legs. It's so much like these guys that have been in the, the series we're referencing here in this Road to L.A. series. Those early 80 guys who were just so strong in the lower body because they did all this work in, in traditional racing flats and big bulky trainers. And, uh, oh, Geb, that's a good pick. I'll take a guy who overlapped with him as my third. Benji's in a coffee club t-shirt right now. He's supporting a fellow podcast with a lot of guys from down under on it. And so I'm going to go to that part of the world. I will take the big Mazungu. And I do I not... <laughs> you should have kept him in, baby. Not referencing, uh, I do occasionally refer to Benjamin as the big Mazungu, but Craig Matram, the 348 miler and 1255 5K guy from Australia in the early 2000s. The reason I have him on my list is this was a time when the Americans and Europeans were down, and he was the guy in those distance events going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the great East Africans. This was really the rise of the period of East African dominance. He was the one guy who stood there and, and threw some punches. And he has wins, for example, over a prime Kenanisa Bekele. He has a win over a young but entering his prime Eliud Kipchoge. He's got a win at the uh, pre-classic two-mile in 803. Held a ton of Australian records. But my big reason why I think he would translate today is he was such a fierce competitor. I think he'd stick his nose in some of these super fast races and just hang on. And even if he didn't win, because that often happened to him during his career, seconds, third place finishes when he ran really fast. I think he'd run some electric times. So I'll go Craig Mottram. And I'll add, that was at the height of the EPO era. And there's some guys he raced against who we can question or who have since been popped. So uh, maybe Mottram sticks out even more from that period for being, to the best of our knowledge, clean. So that's fun. And we'll look forward to the fifth installment of The Road to L.A. Benji, have you been listening to any of that? I have been, actually. Oh, well, thank you. It's good I'm to have a fan. <laughs> We've been running with you and Phil when I run alone, actually. Oh, man. Talk about two beautiful voices to have along on that run. Uh, we are a few weeks out from the World Champs, Benjamin. They start on August 19th in Budapest. We'll dive into them a little bit more as it, the time comes, but I just wanted to quickly get uh, a look ahead from you. You have a, a valuable opinion here, having watched so much track this summer. So what event are you most excited about at the upcoming World Champs? And 
And are you willing to maybe make an early prediction or an upset or something of that ilk? Absolutely. So there are tons of star-studded fields and world record holders in races at this World Champs. But the race I or event I'm most excited for really doesn't have a clear favorite. And I think that's what makes it exciting. The event I'm most excited for is the men's 800. Mm. There's been a fury of fast times this year in the event. Several 143 performances. And it's really, I think it's the most open event on the track. Yeah. Um, if you're in the final, you will have a shot to win this event. I'm going to, going to call what some people might say is a pretty big upset win. And I'm going to choose Slamane Mula from Argentina. <laughs> he has consistently had one of the fastest finishes on the Diamond League circuit. And really, I was looking back at his prep times. And he has run 45 seconds for 400 meters and 21.4 for 200. Okay. So the man has wheels. And he is PR twice this season. And I, I really think that we're going to have Marco Arop go out and set the pace for 600 meters. Mm-hmm. And we'll call him the real Slim Shady. Slimane <laughs> Mula is going to take it down the final straightaway. Oh, man. We were due for an eight-mile reference. He does have some dyed blonde hair, so there is a <laughs> there as well. You know, it's funny you picked the 800 because as you were describing it, I thought to myself, who would I even predict right now to win the 800? And I, I don't have anyone. So I'm glad you picked it because I could come up with a dozen names that I think are in the mix. It hasn't been the best couple of years for Americans at 800 meters, but I wouldn't sleep on Bryce Hopple or Clayton Murphy. Uh, guys with some championship experience, particularly Murphy as a, a medalist at the Olympic Games. But we'll see. Uh, there's nobody who I expect to just run away with it, so it will be fun. I mentioned earlier Kira D'Amato, so a quick note we haven't discussed yet because this got announced uh, several weeks ago. She will be on the U.S. Marathon team for the World Championships, so it'd be nice to have one of our top runners out there at Budapest. That The timing's a little rough on World Champs here with the turnaround to Olympic trials, which the course was just released in, in February down your way on, in Orlando. And then the big fall marathons, it, it's kind of at a, a tenuous moment. So uh, we expected we wouldn't see some of the top people who we saw in Eugene. And that did, in fact, happen. We have Kira D'Amato, friend of the show, Lindsay Flanagan and Susanna Sullivan representing the United States on the women's side. The men will be Elkanah Kibet, Zach Panning and Nico Montanez. Those are three 209 guys, so we'll see what they have. But it should be a really fun race. It's a 10K loop course that goes through some of the city's biggest historical and cultural landmarks. So I think it might be fun to watch on television. But as far as the track events I'm really excited for, I, I am stoked for the 400 hurdles, both men and women. We'll probably get another big three showdown in the men's race with Rye Benjamin, the world record holder Karsten Warholm, who looked good in his last outing, and uh, the Brazilian Dos Santos. And I'm interested to see how Femke Bowl handles being the favorite and if she can sniff Sydney's world record in the 400 hurdles while Sydney's taking her moment in the open 400. So that should be uh, some fun stuff in 
what I believe might be the toughest event on the track, the 400 hurdles. Benji, finally, let's look ahead to the recently released Chicago Marathon fields. That is Sunday, October 8th, and these fields are as deep as I can remember in recent years. I'm going to just run through some names here, and then after I do, hit me with some thoughts. Men's race first. We have 201 man, Valencia, London champ, second fastest ever, Kelvin Kiptum. Really interesting that he's in Chicago, Benji. I have my theory. That is Kipchoge's at Berlin. Cheptegei debuts at Valencia. It's not a coincidence that he's not in either of those races. Hmm. There's two possible reasons. One is the, is the money, the appearance fee that we got to fork over for all these athletes. To me, the, the sounder theory is he's not at Valencia where he ran so fast last year because Chepta guy is an in-in race team guy, and that is an in-in sponsored race. And I see maybe in-in once Chepta guy set up for a chance to win and run really, really fast. And then do Kiptum and Kipchoge want to go head-to-head at Berlin? Or are, they, are we trying to protect the the legend are we trying to protect the new guy maybe both it seems like it's a little bit of avoiding the best competition not necessarily by the athletes perhaps by the management or race directors but chicago wins they get kelvin kiptum who many see as the next big thing and and this could be a world record attempt in chicago we remember what he did at the end at london last spring he's not alone we have Recent victor at Rotterdam, Olympic and world champs bronze medalist Bashir Abdi. The defending champ is back. That's Benson Kipruto. At the top of the list among Americans, Galen Rupp returns to the event. Connor Mance. So maybe it's the past and present, perhaps, of American marathoning. They're both in Chicago. And then just seconds flat favorite, Daniel Donashimento. There's some other guys on the list, but you got to give Daniel Doe a shout. We know nothing about this race or how it will unfold, except Daniel will be leading at the half marathon. <laughs> I sure hope it's him and Kiptum just going out after it. Set the pace just for him, Danny. Yes. Women's race is just as good, if not better. You have Safan Hassan off her London win, the U.S. record holder, Emily Sisson, Emma Bates, the top American at Boston last spring, who was in the lead till very, very late, uh, Ruth Chepengedich, the defending champion from Chicago last year, Molly Seidel returns to the marathon, we think. Des Linden goes back to Chicago for the first time in over a decade since she had a second-place finish there. Uh, Genzebe Dababa, one of the great track athletes of all time. And then a deep next tier of Americans, led by friend of the show Dakota Lindworm. Benji, thoughts on Chicago? Uh, any early predictions we can hold you to that, that we'll probably pick people who are going to get injured over the next two months, but let's go ahead and let's say something bold. Oh, goodness. Something bold. I'm going to say that Connor Mance will be the top American mm. on the men's side, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and on the women's side, I'm going to say Maggie Montoya finishes in the oh. top of the American women. Okay, those are bold. Are you willing to put a time on that Connor Mance prediction? Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yes, I will. I'm going to say that Connor is actually patient and ignores the noise up front. I hope that's true. Low 207. 
Ooh, okay. So now fast times here would really help the entirety of the American contingent trying to qualify for the Olympics next year with the new standards. The more guys that you bump ahead of the Olympic A time standard, the better it is for the entire field as we look ahead to 2024 in the marathon, 40 years after our LA, we're in Paris. Okay, Mance, that's fun. I'm going to make a different pick. I'm not even ready to put a name on this yet, but I'm going to say the women's American record goes down. Wow. But I'm, I'm not sure. Thank you. Thank you, Benji. I'm not sure if it's Emily Sisson or Emma Bates. I think they might both go under the American record. Wow. Now that's a bold. That was pretty bold. big, wasn't it? Wow. Yeah. I say neither do. Okay. Well, that's the safe bet and probably the correct one. And I'm going to say that Molly Seidel does not toe the line. You think she's a DNS? I do. Okay. That's unfortunate. I think she will run. I think she's going to get one in. I'm not saying it's going to be pretty, but I think she gets one in before the trials. Okay. Let's do this, Benji. If she runs, does she beat Des Linden? <laughs> I I don't know if you're mean for asking that or just no wrong. no no that's that's not why is that mean I Des Linden is she she's while advanced in marathoning age she's still really pretty good and she runs well in competitive races she knows herself I, I'll be frank with you I think she beats Molly I I would agree with you okay. I just wouldn't say that on the air. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I am. So, uh, yeah, Desi is going to take her to town. Okay, so let me add to it. I don't think that means Molly Seidel is completely eliminated from the Olympic trial contention. I agree with that. That gives her, she's got six more months to figure it out. And I don't know that she will, but I do believe that's enough time that if she can get in a good place with her health, she might be able to find some of the same magic that led into the Tokyo Marathon. All right, this has been good, Ben. It's good to have you back, big fella. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, we're going to do this again soon. Maybe we'll get an update on that cross-country team of yours. Let's see how many of those kids are faster than me this year. <laughs> do you want to put a number out? How many, how many kids on your team run faster than me in a 5K right now? Currently, like your current 5K fitness or your all-time 5K Let's say fitness. right now in this moment. Right now in this moment, I think I have three kids faster than you. Oh, man. You either have a, a good team or I'm just not in very good shape. I, I, you know what? I think I'm leaning towards the, the latter. I think you're going to be good, but I just need to get better if I'm going to make the top rung of your roster. Oh, no, we have a spot for you. Don't worry. We've got that... Uh extra large jersey just sitting on the bench today. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to do my best to help you score at the state meet. I'll try to I'll try to get in shape for you. Can any of your kids beat me in a marathon? Ooh. I don't think so yet, but I do have one student I believe if he trained for a year for the marathon could run pretty low 230s. Okay, so we're we're potential competitors. Well, yes. and I'm I'm going to get to work. 
going to get my training in. Uh, we will come back next time. And I'm really excited about the next topic we have. I've had the opportunity to uh, address a few racing clinics, camps, a, a triathlon team here recently. And it's kind of evolved into a discussion of some of the key questions that we all need to ask ourselves as runners. And so I'm going to dive into those a little bit more next time. I look forward to that in mile 156. Benjamin, man, thanks so much for doing this. This was fun. We'll get you back here soon. Good luck this season. And we look forward to talking to everybody soon on the next episode of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Have a great week. Bye.